Welcome to the Practice Podcast, conversations probing the nature of practice. I'm your host, Dave Piron. Well, I'm inviting you to listen to some shop talk, two completely devoted teachers, not to each other per se, but to teaching and particularly teaching organization behavior, which is so elaborately complex and so accessible to everyone. In fact, right now, this is organization behavior as I'm preparing this experience in the podcast episode with Gary Stark, that you can understand why the two of us are kind of nutty about teaching and particularly this. Now, Gary's not really nutty. He's a very sensible professor, professor of management at Northern Michigan State University. I tease Gary for being up there in the Upper Peninsula, but actually it's on the same latitude as where we raise our kids in Western Maine. Also out there and up there, but wow, some wonderful people and some great learning went on in my tiny campus at the University of Maine. Back to Gary. He's been a natural leader of the Management and Organization Behavior Teaching Society. He was on the board for a number of years and also served as the role, the role OB-1. <laughs> I can OB Kenobi. Uh, person who brought the spark to our conferences and probably his name should be Gary Spark. I'm sure I'm not the first one who thought of that. But you're going to enjoy the two of us talking shop, I hope, about teaching. Professor Gary Stark. Folks, just before I turned on the recording, I was teasing Gary Stark. Uh, that I'd been chasing him for about five months. And yeah, in a way, uh, because, you know, he was very busy in his world of uh, being a professor of management at Northern Michigan University. Yes, there is a, a university campus up there. I don't care what anyone has told you. There is one in the Upper Peninsula. Yeah. Um, is that true, Gary? It's true. There's uh, our arch rival is about 90 miles away. Michigan Tech is also up here, and Lake Superior State is about two or three hours east of us. Yeah, we. Uh, I went to school in my graduate school in Michigan, and and uh, we had uh, in this consortium program, we had I think at least one Mott fellow who was attending the Mich the Northern Michigan nice. campus nice. Uh, because that was you know each of us were doled out. I was at Central, and oh sure. Anyway, we would tease because we, they would introduce us all by the schools we were affiliated with. And then we'd say, oh, and then, and then there's Bob. We think he's, he's going to the Northern Michigan campus, but we're not really sure. <laughs> we're not sure if the Upper Peninsula exists. Yeah, there is one. You, you probably know that it's left off a lot of maps. There's a, in fact, a, a, a subreddit called, uh, something called Left Off of Maps. And there's a lot of, <laughs> yeah, you'll see it all the time. I've seen national advertisements leave the UP off the national map. 
So yeah. how did you get there? Cause you, you weren't, you're not a Michigander by, by birth. Uh. Uh, I kind of am actually. Um, I have a t-shirt that says, um, I wasn't born in the upper peninsula, but I got here as soon as possible. And that's actually fairly true. I was born in Kansas. And then when I was one year old, uh, my dad took a job at Michigan tech which is now the arch rival of my current university. There you go. I was there for three years. Went and got, he, he went and got his PhD, moved around a bunch. And then about 18 years ago, I found this job uh, in the Upper Peninsula. So we've always had a connection to it. Uh, after my wife and I got married, uh, our first vacation after our honeymoon was to the Upper Peninsula. So it's always held, it's always yeah. been attractive to me. So I feel really, really, really lucky to be here. You know, it's it's beautiful country. When yep. after I finished my my PhD, uh, we had some family issues, so I took a job in in Western Maine. Uh, you know, leaving University of Connecticut, leaving Petervale, who got me through, and yeah. and uh, and they all said, "Well, there goes David. We'll never see him again." <laughs> but as it turned out, you know, we're on the same latitude as as your campus. Oh, sure. Yeah. Uh, it was delightful. And our kids were little, and they got um, pretty much through their high school, all the way through a small town life. Yeah, I, I never hunted, and I don't think I fished. Didn't matter. I mean, I I, I provided diversity <laughs> to the county because <laughs> I was. Oh, they referred to me as oh, you're the guy who doesn't hunt. <laughs> yeah, that's me. <laughs> okay, it's not <laughs> you that, know, that. You bad. know how it is, um, but. Um, but actually, it gave me, and I think this is sort of segue to your work. Yeah. It gave me much closer proximity. That's double, doubling up on being close uh, to everyone. <laughs> and and so classes were small when I did some teaching when I was, I was actually called Dean of Public Service, but I taught OB. And it meant the service work we did in the outreach into the counties where there are terrific uh, statistics that uh, had to be corrected in health and wellness and energy loss and you name it in the 70s. Uh, we're close. And and uh, that was a that was sort of um, my way of knowing uh, how valuable it is to not only read and and understand organization, behavior, leadership, management, innovation, all those things that they're to pertaining, but to be a person who can put it into action as a dean, as a friend, as a uh, community volunteer. I mm -hmm. saw uh, believing in people. I saw uh, closing learning gaps, mm -hmm. work, and uh, we, a county which, again, like the UP, would have otherwise forgotten, mm -hmm. started to get some some news about, hey, look what they're doing out there, and I loved I loved that. But this isn't all about me. Uh, when uh, when did you choose uh, the field of management and organization behavior, Gary? Oh, because your, da um, your dad was a tech guy. Yeah. Uh, do you want the long story, the short story, the medium length story? I was, I, I'm trying to give you a medium length story. So, okay. Uh, I, as I, going into college, I thought I was going to be an engineer, but 
I don't know about everybody else's high school, but if you were good at math and science, you were destined to be an engineer. I took a physics class my senior year of high school, hated it, found it incredibly boring. <laughs> um, so I realized I'm not going to be an engineer. I didn't know what the hell I was going to be after that. And uh, I just kind of, my wife thinks it's funny. She, I'm one of the few people who, for whom accounting was the path of least resistance. I didn't oh. know what to do, but my dad was an accounting professor, but I, I know all the professors. I know, I know that uh, in accounting, you can get mediocre grades and still get a prestigious job. And sure enough, I got mediocre grades. I went uh, to work for what was then a big eight accounting firm in Chicago, Arthur Young. I think wow. now they're the big four, big three. Hated it, uh, complained about it all the time. My dad was visiting uh, Chicago uh, over his spring break. And I remember I, this one of those moments that's just frozen. You know, the frame is frozen in your head. Where, yep. uh, we lived on the north side and we were taking the bus back to my apartment. And I was just complaining about my job, as I always did. And either he got sick of hearing me bitch about it. Or he just felt so sorry for me. He said, yeah, and I remember this. He said, did you ever think about being a professor? And you would think at that point, uh, I don't know, I was probably 24 years old. After 24 years old, 24 years of living with a professor, I would have thought about it. I had never really thought about it. No. And I remember him talking about how much he enjoyed being a teacher. And at that time, it was like I, I couldn't even imagine enjoying my job. It was just so terrible. And uh, he was it was his spring break and he was I wouldn't say he was itching to get back, but you know, kind of eager to get back to the classroom. I thought, well, he's doing something right. And uh, mm -hmm. yeah, again, accounting I just did because I, I don't know, I guess I was more my thinking was more instrumental at the time, but uh, yeah, sure. I always enjoyed psychology and psychology related things so uh sort of fell into org behavior and i absolutely love it <laughs> did you go to kansas uh state or yeah, uk kansas or? State. Yeah. yeah for undergrad and master's degree and then my phd is from nebraska which is about that campuses are about two and a half miles or two and a half miles two and a half hours apart nebraska and kansas state yeah yeah uh once you were into the uh, advanced study of organization behavior um uh, did you see some connection between your left and right brains in regard to uh your operational orientation when you thought you'd want to be an engineer and when you were in accounting and also what we still call the soft side of, of business yeah. which i which bugs me but that's that's what they call it yeah or did you have to become a whole new Gary Stark in order to teach OP? <laughs> yeah. And even I remember my first semester still retaining, first semester in the PhD program, still retaining some of those mechanical thoughts. And <laughs> I remember it was just like two weeks or three weeks into the PhD program. And I remember one of my uh, professors, Dr. Doug May, who um, is now at the University of Kansas, which is his alma mater. <laughs> Um, but I remember telling me, yeah, we're going to disabuse you of all those notions. And at first I was like, wait, wait, is this like some, uh, are you going to, 
I don't know. You're going to change my brain. brain. How about exactly brain, brainwashing? Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> and <laughs> you will not have any pupils when you finish this degree. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, but you know, he was, he was right. It's it's a different way of thinking. So yeah, it um, is. struggled for a very short while, and then just started really enjoy, enjoying it. I, I can honestly say, and I don't think most people can say this, I enjoyed my PhD program. Uh, yeah. I enjoyed my classes. Uh, I actually enjoyed my writing my dissertation. I had a fantastic advisor, uh, Steve Summer. And um, I, I don't think anybody enjoys comps. I hated comps, but other than that, I really, really enjoyed it. Did you do any teaching as a... Uh a teaching assistant. Were you a I TA? Did, I did. Uh, long story behind it. I won't tell it unless you want to drag it out of me. It's not that interesting. But um, oh, now I you, taught, now you got uh, my listeners leaning into their speaker. <laughs> What's the uh, truth of being a TA? Right. <laughs> I taught operations management. Oh, yeah. There it's you almost go. exclusively what I taught. I think uh, one semester I got to teach HR. One semester I got to teach org behavior, but uh, I spent four years there, and every semester I was teaching operations management. Yeah, which actually turned out to be beneficial because when I saw this job here at Northern, so I, it, uh, you will recognize this. I'm not sure all of you, uh, your listeners, viewers will recognize this, but to find somebody who's good at teaching board behavior and operations management that's it's a bit of a unicorn i guess it yeah, is that's it's, exactly, it, it, it definitely yeah northern's exactly where i wanted to be and and uh, they needed they needed that spectrum because yeah they, they couldn't build up a department of 50 people you know exactly. they, they basically and, and i in a small uh, public university we uh, you know we were always trying to find people who could uh uh you know chew gum and and walk at the same time and yet but, but be in that spectrum and and let me make a quick pitch about sure. something peter vale uh said a lot and wrote <clears throat> about these other areas in the business school they're all ob accounting is organizational behavior operations is deeply into organization behavior mm -hmm. you know how how so uh unless they're going into the AI realm, which Peter didn't probably know much about, mm -hmm. they, they, they'd require human thought and effort and and collaboration and mm -hmm. all the aspects of what humans bring to the work. And uh, yet in business schools, it was because we like to slice and dice subject matter, make it nice and tidy. Mm -hmm. uh, you always, you somewhat got that feeling that if you were, as I said earlier, OB, you were the soft side, and they used mm -hmm. to tease because, you know, we started at the org behavior teaching conferences. Oh, you're the guys with the toys. You know, you're the guys with the, <laughs> you're the guys with, you know, with the straws and the eggs and, uh, you know, and, and the like answer the was, yeah, exactly, the marshmallow. And the answer was yes, yes. And, and we therefore had an opportunity to say why. Uh, because, you know, learning and action is what we're about. And yeah. we would create actions with uh, with unsure outcomes. Yeah. Voila, there's management right there for you. Right. Yeah. And I uh, tell my students right away, and I have a story behind this. 
uh, I call it the Joe Lane story, just a very unusual experience I had at a Burger King in Minnesota once. Just very strange behavior from uh, the cashier. But the point of that story, I asked the students why she behaved this way. And I asked them at first to list uh, um, 72 reasons why Jolene behaved this way. And they gave me that look, the look I should just get him. And I said, 72. I said, what does that seem like too much? Yeah. <laughs> and so I said, well, just list three. And then we go through them. And then I asked them, uh, sort of rapid fire, okay, why did she do that? Okay, they'll give me an answer. So we assume we've amassed a list of 200 or 300 reasons why Jolene behaves the way she did. And then uh, I asked about rockets. How many, things do you have, how many things do you have to think about to make a rocket reach the moon? It's a finite number of things. It may be a lot, like 800 or so, but it's still finite with human behavior. It's infinite. So the point is that uh, human behavior is far more complex than rocket science. I love it. And when I they ever it. complain, I just say, hey, it's not rocket science. But meaning the opposite of what most people mean when they say that. You see, I've 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 known you and I've known about you for, for years, particularly through our organization behavior teaching society, and in fact attended uh, a session uh, with you what last month, uh, mm -hmm. you and Steve. And uh, it, it it strikes me that uh what you do that makes it um very special for students is that you create somewhat on the spur of the moment in some instances an exercise just like that yeah where you say i want 72 reasons why this cashier was grumpy uh, <laughs> and then then nicely merging it into the hard science and saying you know the finite versus the infinite yeah. now that in itself gary it's friggin' brilliant. And I suspect that, no, honestly, I'm not patronizing. I believe it uh, because that's the, that's sort of the, the gift uh, of why some of us uh, uh, were particularly well recognized in, in our careers as teaching because it was uh, sometimes we wrote to write those up, you know, and put them in our journal, which is, which is very <laughs> much, which is a very good thing. But what also happened was that, the word got out. Uh, uh, sometimes our students would say, hey, the, the, who's that guy at Northern Michigan? <laughs> and immediately they'll say, oh, the Burger King guy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they tag it and, and, and it brings back a lot. Um, I hope so. Now, uh, I, I'm guessing that you uh, enjoy uh, quite a bit of latitude on how and you teach, not necessarily what you teach. You know, that's someone in the syllabus. Mm -hmm. uh, how important is it for you to have that freedom to uh, sometimes wing it, sometimes you know nail it down, um, in order for you to be the Gary Stark that we all love. <laughs> um. Well, the quick answer is very important. So important, I can't imagine not teaching that way. I couldn't tell you exactly why. That's like, too, well, I mean, I could. I could look at intrinsic motivation, yeah, uh, definitely. <laughs> uh, concepts and organizational behavior. But um, yeah, extremely important. So important that I, I couldn't 
I mean, I'd still teach it if they told me how to teach it, but um, just, I, I can't imagine that. I really work around, and they, yeah. you know, because of this ACSB, for example, <laughs> which came in like clamps on yeah. uh, on on schools, and then created all kinds of uh, so-called tangible measures and so forth. I, I can remember in my last few years. I retired in 2016, but we were just um, being visited for ACSB the first time. And I remember uh, feeling like oxygen was being somehow removed, like in a Star Trek set, yep. from, you know, from from the classroom. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and the students probably wouldn't notice it. I, I sure did. And then they'd say, well, you know, I taught by choice. I always taught intro to management. As a full professor, I love teaching intro to management because I figured every business student was going to be affected and effective depending on how much enthusiasm they develop for that very large set of theory that we offer. Anyway, I can remember someone coming along saying, you need to create a 20-question true-false test at the end of your course that shows Something your students stuck. learned management. They actually said that. Did I freeze? Did we freeze? Yeah, you did. <laughs> you did freeze. We, we froze, but because you're still <laughs> at 35 degrees below zero up there it's, in the UP. And, I am wearing jeans and a small. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that, the gist of it was they said, you know, you, you got to create this questionnaire and you gotta, it's got to be proctored on 25 questions about management. And then I said, well, what they do with it? Oh, well, they'll see. They'll put it into the assurance of learning numbers. Oh, okay. So I did all kinds of things right up to my last class, all the cr crazy free. Uh, yeah. Let's think about the future. It's yours, you know, yeah. and, and, and then, uh, I, I let them read it. They did the textbook and all the stuff rich, you know, I was required to do. I worked all around in between and up and above. And then they took the 25 questions. And then I remember my chairman, he said, Dave, gee, I don't like the way those came out. <laughs> I said, well, then that must prove that I'm a lousy teacher. Uh, let me just push my teaching award over here so we can talk without, <laughs> without an interference. And, 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 and I was being an asshole about it. I, I, I can say that it's my podcast. Uh, but here's something, Gary. And, and, and I, you were tenured, so you yeah. can't be an asshole. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but you see, the subject which you pointed out was infinite in its wonderful complexity. Uh, mm -hmm. always having to do with all the uh, choices humans make from moment to moment that leaves them high or dry or, you know, underwater. All those choices, you know, comp compounded by being business choices, mm -hmm. uh, require, a, 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 as you said earlier, a very different set of mind. Mm -hmm. And in a way, we were doing, or you're still doing, for those learners, mm -hmm. what, your uh, professor said on the first day of your doctor program, <laughs> we're going to disabuse you. Yes, that's of, the, yeah, that's the exact word he used, disabuse. <laughs> disabuse you of the idea that uh, management is a matter of mechanics. Right. And uh, the, uh, as Taylor once said, you know, all you have to do is throw them, uh, you know, like a little bird seed and people will do what they're supposed to do.
I do something so, similar with, um, I tell a story about uh, Frederick Taylor. I read his exact words and basically he's talking about scientific management. Mm -hmm. And uh, I could quote this almost exactly because I read it pretty much every semester, something that effective. Now, one of the very first requirements of a man who will do this type of work is that he shall have the mental uh, ability of an ox. <laughs> that man who is more intelligent is entirely unsuited for this kind of work. So I asked the students, okay, think of the smartest ox you know. Think of the dumbest person you know who's smarter. So and ask, so what percentage of people are uh, dumber, as dumb as an ox? Zero percent. Zero percent of people are suited for management. Uh, yeah, for uh, scientific management type work. <laughs> wow, that's a hell yeah. of a quote. I, yeah, I wish I, I wish I had I'd picked up that one. You know, <laughs> let's let's talk a little bit about um, why we know each other, and and that is this this society called the management and organization behavior teaching society you've contributed a lot to it and and co-led with mike stratton when he was mm -hmm. president and you know we, we've done a lot both of us in one way or another over the years to bring people together in june on various campuses mm -hmm. uh, and we just completed that and i was quite encouraged by the fact that i hardly knew anyone at mm -hmm. that of, of the 200 why is that encouraging because you know i'm well past my cell date and uh and some of us who came there to honor the 50th uh were happy to see that there was a sort of a a, a lovely uh sort of a blossoming of people who looked different sound different taught at different types of schools uh and i know you and mike work together to and uh, uh, prior to Joe Self, so also after Joe, to bring that kind of newness in. Exactly. Uh, uh, what is, has it been, how has it been valuable to you over the years to be active in this society? Oh my gosh. Uh, hard to quantify. I guess we can't quantify. <laughs> it's been. You can. You, you're an accountant. <laughs> I have forgotten. The word oh. count is in your name. A long time ago. <laughs> um, it's been incredible. It's, uh, I mean, I've been so honored to be a part of it, period, and to be able to present there and to meet incredible people like you. Uh, it's just so many people I could name that I'm just honored to know and honored to be friends with and but that would actually seek my whatever wisdom I have. So, um, But there's so many wise people of, of all ages there. And um, yeah, I'm glad you recognize that. Uh, uh, that there are newer people there because I mean, I've been on the board off and on for the last 10 years or so. Yeah. And uh, my early time on the board, that's something we talked about a lot. Yeah. Uh, we love Dave Fearon. Uh, we love Joe Seltzer. But eventually, or and I should say, and they're eventually going to retire and may not come to the conference anymore. Thank goodness. Yeah. Yep. Still come. Uh, it's we need younger people or people earlier in their careers and uh, we made that concerted effort to do that and it's, it's I'm, I'm really glad that's paying off so um yeah i guess i guess that's part of the importance i part of it uh, of the conference i love it because it is relatively unstructured you agree to talk about 
ideas that honestly you couldn't talk about with most of your colleagues. I don't know if that was your experience with most of my colleagues at North No, it's true. No, the, yeah, they just think it's they're all very busy. They were all very busy, and you know, uh, I'd come back all charged up, and I'd say, uh, "I'd say I love to tell you about some things that happened." Jeez, uh, I I love to, but you know, I <laughs> I got to get to class, or I got to because it, it it my enthusiasm was my enthusiasm, and I couldn't. Yeah, exactly. It wasn't and contagious, but it exactly. is contagious when you're at those meetings. Oh, um, it, it's it's uh, I say after telling you that I had COVID when I get home, but this is a better kind of contagion, uh, and uh, <laughs> I I I I had my antenna up to to see uh, throughout that week at Jacksonville University if uh, uh, if there was still that spark. Uh, and here's why it mattered to me, because the compression of the freedoms of a faculty person to be the kind of person you have become and I became is real on the very, and particularly on the campuses that are in the, the accreditation. Uh, uh, vice and uh, some uh, may not even have the chance to know that they can be experimental in their teaching. And what we're saying at those meetings, if the sessions are well chosen, is you have to be experimental. Everything you're doing is ask the question: if 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 my students behave this way and read and, and use this material, will they be able to XXX? It's an yep. open experiment. So I, I, I didn't pick up too much uh, bitching and moaning because this is a very, uh, a group that at least got support from their campuses to come. But uh, what's your gut tell you about how the society can help reopen the oxygen tank of teaching creativity so people can can breathe better um maybe it's a simple prescription but for the most part keep doing what we're doing uh, that i think that the eai early educator institute and doctoral institute uh, i know that the board has made a concerted effort to expand that and to make that a bigger deal and uh, that kind of keeps that lifeblood. Yeah, it does. Um, and maybe those people can spread that, uh, spread the word back on their own campuses. I, I, I guess that's that, and that's part of the idea. It's not just getting them interested, but maybe they can spread the word, and slowly we can change change that culture you're referring to, where we do feel kind of compressed into this certain box. Um, and then we can we can break that. No, I, I like that. I like that now because in 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 its origins, as Dave Bradford and Alan Cohen and John Miller and several people were at our fellows uh, session and and uh, and then you saw the video um, that played throughout what David Bradford and the, those guys, the founders, were saying that 50 years ago, they uh, didn't have much elbow room. Yeah. Uh, or, or the, there was enough room above them and, and they're feeling somewhat boxed in at schools right. like Harvard, Stanford, uh, Yale's where John was coming from. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and they were concerned 
that the subject matter was far too important in the world uh, to be relegated to um, one small spot in an otherwise uh, finance-driven business school. And that was 50 years ago. Not much has changed. Right. <laughs> how, how is your your uh, management department doing? Uh, holding your own within your business school. I know. I know you brought Steve Adelson in recently. Yeah, that's been great. Uh, so uh, we're a small enough college. It's a, so it's a college of business that we don't have departments. Um. So as far as a management department, we don't really have to, I guess we don't have to fight for space or, 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 or line. Um, yeah. it, but there's sort of the attitude among some people that, that I, I think, or I can sort of detect from some of the faculty, certainly not a majority of that, yeah, or behavior is not that important, but, you know, they're business majors. Let's focus on finance. Let's focus on accounting. And that's to me is a pretty shallow view. I recognize it's important. Um, yeah. I guess uh, we're we're still in a capitalist economy, <laughs> so I, I guess that's important to, to uh, for that to to survive in that economy. But um, you know, ultimately, it's all that stuff is just uh, a means to an end. You know, org behavior is where it's at. That's that's that stuff. It, that's what's the. Re- even though it's not as quantifiable, it's the stuff that's real. That's the point of everything we do. That's great. But so if you're chasing money, why are you chasing money? Well, let organizational behavior tell you. Yeah, it's real. It's now. And uh, and there's no one uh, in any conversation who uh, can say, well, uh, human behavior oh that's another subject for another time because even in a conversation you are doing human behavior the conversation is uh uh transforming uh uh, at least a couple people's uh thought about any subject under the sun and which is what you and i have done in the last uh, 33 minutes uh you we didn't know when we started this conversation gary you know how this is going to go. I knew this. I knew it was going to be interesting and lively. And uh, when I go through and edit out to find a soundbite to feature it, <laughs> I'll know I'll have plenty of choices, oh, good. Uh, in, in, including what you just said at, in the last moment about it being about being yeah. real. But uh, since you know I'm seeking uh, a memorable soundbite, <laughs> oh boy, not to put pressure on you. <laughs> Uh, but uh, the question is, uh, can you imagine yourself not teaching, and in particular not teaching organization behavior until you at least get to be my age, which for you would be another 30 years? Can Wait, you imagine yourself doing something? <laughs> separate yourself altogether, like you did when you walked away from that lucrative accounting job in Chicago years back, and saying, "I'm done with teaching, particularly organization behavior. I'm going to become an X for the rest I of my life." I can't see that happening. Uh, Why not? Um, 
I mean, it's who I am. How's that for a soundbite? I mean, that's perfect. I mean, exactly. I mean, I teacher, in particular, or behavior teacher to my soul. I mean, that's. I think it fits my personality, the way I think. It's what I enjoy. Uh, obviously, highly intrinsically motivated by it. So it's 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 difficult to imagine. Now, now on the on the bad days. Because there are some bad days. Sure. Work in the class or your dean's mad at you for something or, you know, the the committees are getting overwhelming. The only other career I could imagine would be an urban planner. (laughs) 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 That would be really cool. Like, I just took a trip to Chicago where we lived 30 years ago. I just find cities and all that stuff fascinating. But that's all behavioral stuff. It is. How does this? How does laying out the buildings this way, the streets this way, public transportation affect how people work together? I find all that stuff fascinating. So that's about the only about the thing I could imagine doing. <laughs> I love that answer because it's in your soul. But that's yeah. the truth of it. That's that's really the, uh, what we're looking for in all the different practices that, that get revealed in these conversations. But the 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 really coolest thing I think is the second part of the question: Why OB? And I and the answer is, it's everywhere, all the time. You do not have to grapple for subject matter. Yes, you can pull in a poem, or you can pull in one of the great thinkers of the yeah. uh, ancient times, and you can incorporate that. But in the meantime. Uh, I can't remember a day, and this is what I truly miss the most about classroom work. I can't remember a day when I wasn't going. Hmm. I was maybe listening to a book on tape or uh, observing something in traffic. And I'd yep. say, I'm bringing this back to class. Yep. Every day. Every day. I got material. And, I, you know, so I always left a little bit of elbow room in my, <laughs> in my modules because of these neat discoveries. And then, of course, the... The other side of that is, uh, I, this is what I've noticed, students. What have you noticed? What's something like that that struck you? And now we've got some really good interaction going there. So, so I'm sorry, you're asking me a question on that, or no? I'm just I'm happening? just pointing out okay. that when you ask, not only is our subject interesting, but yeah. if you can show students that they just may have noticed something as well exactly. it it becomes what peter vale called co-inquiry in fact that's mm-hmm. the way he would i i took several classes with him and co-taught one when we were at the university of connecticut and that's uh, as brilliant as he was and he had an eidetic memory he could tell you everything he ever read and on what page wow. he he would suspend that not being uh, the sage on the stage mm-hmm. and he would come in and he'd start a class with Gee, did you notice the parking lot today? Anyone notice the parking lot today? And some student put up their hand and say, yeah, I could find a place to park near the business school. And he'd say, why do you think that was? Like your 30, like your 72 questions. Yeah. What's going on that we don't have a full parking lot at the time we always have one? And then they'd speculate and then some would say, well, maybe there's some kind of flu going around whatever and and then that would get us into it and he'd say okay now with that in mind take a look at what we just read or you know let's discuss the abilene paradox you know uh, and <laughs> and on it went and i can tell you though when i co-taught an mba class with him and we had a lot of prep when the engineers there this is to round out our conversation since yeah. you you were an almost engineer yeah. uh 
a lot of those guys really hated that because they came in from their day of back then slide rules and and manuals (laughs) and here was this guy saying did you ever notice you're like a jerry seinfeld yeah (laughs) and and they're like what's gonna be on the goddamn test exactly (laughs) oh man so anyway gary this has been wonderful thank you for for letting me catch up with you and uh stay well and stay in this work yeah this work is you yes it is as it is for you too yeah i'm still doing it i don't even have a class that's how it did that's how much you have to do this you just can't let it go I think we all want to be Dave Farron when we grow up. Do something like that. <laughs> no, I was fine until you said grow up, because that's the part. <laughs> I... <laughs> you never grow up. No, God. All right, I'm that's not... how I feel. I don't want to grow up. <laughs> I'm the, the Peter Pan of professoring, I think. <laughs> Gary, thanks again. Thank you. It's been an honor uh, and a joy to, to be interviewed by you. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Practice Podcast, where we discuss practice with a capital P. If you'd like to hear more, listen in on Spotify, Automatic, and Apple Podcasts, or go to inactionresearch.com slash podcast dash page. And if you'd like to learn more about social inaction in the nature of practice, head over to inactionresearch.com for more information. Thank you for supporting this show. We look forward to hearing from you soon. Oh, and and one more thing. How could I forget? The book, On Practice as a Way of Being, is available now in digital form, something that would be new, like podcasting to many of us, and it's a, a great way of learning more this podcast presented when Peter Vale and I originated it several years ago. So please come to www.mylibrary, one word, dot world slash practice, and you'll see what I mean. Thank you.